If you go to a church very long and you don't hear very much about Jesus, I'd find another church. I appreciate that song and Jeff choosing it today and just turning our attention where it ought to be on the Lord Jesus Christ, especially uh, when we come to a topic like we're coming to today. Um, We're still in these dark, unholy ground chapters, we're calling uh, these, where we talk about the, the devil and the antichrist and the false prophet, the unholy trinity of the prophecies that we find in the book of Revelation. This passage of scripture that we're coming to today has caused a lot of speculation, uh, a lot of speculation in uh, past times and even today. For centuries, men have been uh, making attempts to decipher the mark of the beast and what we have to do with this number 666. I, I mentioned a moment ago, some people even fear that number. Here a few months ago, I made a purchase probably at Walmart. That seems to be where most of our money goes uh, during the week. Uh, I made a purchase, and I think it was at Walmart. Total came up 666, and I I was not going through the checkout line or the self-checkout line. Um, I was going through a regular attended line, and it came up 666. And the girl standing there, she asked me, she said, do you want to purchase something else? And I said, no. I pretty much spent all I want to spend here. And uh, I asked her, I said, why? Why? And I knew why, but we're going to make her say it. And she said, well, at your total is $6.66. And I said, well, I said, what's wrong? And she said, that's, that's the devil's number. And uh, I said, well, I'm not going to purchase. I don't want to purchase anything else. Um, but why are you afraid of that? And she said, it's a devil's number. And I, and I just took a minute and I said, can I just tell you something? That number means absolutely nothing today. It means nothing today. So if you go through Walmart or Dollar General or Burger King or wherever you go through and your total comes to 666, don't feel like you've got to make another purchase, buy a pack of gum to throw that off. You're not paying tribute and you're not honoring anybody. You're just being charged probably too much for whatever it is, but you're being charged $6.00. And 66 cents, and that's a lot. That, that's the end of it. There's just a lot of speculation about what the mark of the beast is all about, is all about. And that's the word that Revelation 13 uses. It calls this, it calls this thing the mark. Our, our text today does give us some information that we need to understand what this mark is. But let me give you this thought. The Bible may not tell us all we would like to know about this mark, but it does say enough for us to know that no Christian needs to be afraid of the mark of the beast. Can I just remind you of this? Christian, you won't be here for this. When this takes, when all this mess takes place, you won't be here. Don't be afraid of the number 666. Don't be afraid. If you know the Lord Jesus Christ that Jeff just sang about, don't be afraid of the mark of the beast. It's not for you. If you're a Christian, it's not for you. It's not going to happen. We're going to look at just three verses today that I hope will uh, answer some questions that you have, but also maybe dispel some of the mysteries that and the speculations that we've come up with over the years about this mark of the beast. I'm calling it the brand of the beast, this message today, the brand of the beast. 
And it's found, the, the, verse, the verses written about it are found in verses 16 through 18 of Revelation 13. So verse number 16 says, And he, talking about the false prophet, And he causeth all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and bond, to receive a mark in their right hand or in their foreheads, and that no man might buy or sell, save he had the mark, or the name of the beast, or the number of his name. Here is wisdom. Let him that hath understanding count the number of the beast, for it is the number of a man and his number is six hundred three score and six, or six hundred and sixty-six. Well, let's pray and ask God to give us our understanding this morning, and also that God would help us to know what to do with this message. As a Christian, if you're a saved person in here today, and then if you're in here today and you don't know Christ as your Savior, what should you care about this? Let's pray and ask God to help us, can we? Father, thank you for the day, and thank you for the opportunity to be in your house Thank you for these good songs that have been sung, most of them, well, all of them, about our Savior, giving honor to his name or celebrating the fact that he's been resurrected and our choice uh, of Jesus over the world. Uh, These have been good songs this morning in pointing us to our Savior. Thank you for the opportunity to honor Daniel and Hannah today, and thank you for them and their family, and we pray your blessings on them. And now, Lord, we come to your word. And without your Holy Spirit to help our understanding, we're just going to have a a very flat understanding of this. So we pray that you would impart your wisdom to us. You said this is a spiritual book and it must be spiritually discerned. And we need your Holy Spirit to do that for us. Help me and help our church family today not to be distracted by anything else that might grab our attention. This is your time. And so we pray, Lord, that we would give it to you in honor of you. We pray in your name. Amen. The brand of the beast, uh, this mark that's coming. And it's very clear there in, um, it's very clear there in verse number 16. It's for everybody. Doesn't matter what your income is. Doesn't matter your uh, social status or your ethnicity. Doesn't matter. It's coming for everybody on the planet during this thing that has come to be called the Great Tribulation Period. Let's look at three or four things about this mark, this brand this morning. And the first thing I'd like you to notice in verse number 16, that it is a mark of identification, a mark of identification. There's a lot of speculation as to what this mark of the beast might be. Is it going to be a tattooed barcode? Is it going to be some invisible, uh, some kind of invisible Mark that's not necessarily uh, seen to the naked eye. You know how sometimes if you go to Dollywood and you want to leave and come back, they'll, they'll put something on your hand or something, or you go someplace and you want to come back into it. They'll put a mark on your hand and it shows up under the ultraviolet light. Is that the mark of the beast? Is it going to be something like that? Is it going to be a chip that they hide in a vaccine? Is it going to be a credit card? What is this mark of the beast? Now, let me just pause and say this. Because of the word the Holy Spirit chose to use for the mark here, it's most likely, well, it's not going to be a credit card, and most likely it's not going to be a chip that's hidden in some vaccine. That word mark literally means to be imprinted or engraved. It, it's, something, it's something that's done. It's not something you take and it's not something you hold. 
It's a mark, a literal mark on you. Now, whether or not it's visible, that can be, that can be debated. But this is some type of imprinting or engraving, the Bible says, on your right hand or on your forehead. So there's lots of possibilities. I don't know what the devil's going to use on this thing today. And with all the technology that we have today, who knows what this is going to look like. We talk about fingerprint recognition or retinal scans and things like that, but this is not that. This is not, you didn't choose your fingerprint. Let me, let me say this. You didn't choose your fingerprint, nor the imprint of your uh, eye, nor the shape of your ear, which are three very individual things. But you didn't choose those things. The mark of the, the mark of the beast, first of all, is going to be individual. And second, it's going to be intentional. It's going to be a choice that you make. There was so much speculation. I'm not here to debate with you the vaccine for the coronavirus. That's not the debate. But there was so much, uh, there was so much speculation about they put, they put the mark of the beast in there. They put the chip in there. You will know if you have the mark of the beast because you will have chosen to take it. The Bible indicates that you will receive it. It's not going to be hidden. They're not going to sneak into your house and tattoo 666 on your head at night. You're going to choose to take the mark of the beast if you're here during the great tribulation period and you're not saved. And you say, well, I don't think I'll choose it. Scripture says you're going to be deceived. And if you don't, if you don't you're going to be killed. It's a sobering passage of Scripture. These are just three verses. Boy, it's, there's nothing happy about it. So think about this mark of identification that's coming and keep this in mind. The people that have the mark of the beast, they will have chosen to receive it. It's not going to be forced on them and they're not going to receive it by deception through a vaccine or something like that. They're going to choose to take this mark of the beast. Let me, and let me say this, and I don't have a dog in this hunt, but the drive toward a cashless society creates a wide open door for the mark of the beast to be implemented. I was talking to my brother several years ago, and I think it was either Matt or a police officer that he works with was standing in line at a grocery store out in Las Vegas, and the guy in front of him, and I can't remember now if it was Matt or the guy, uh, a guy that told Matt this story, the guy in front of him when it came, and this was, this was a number of years ago. This was probably over 10 years ago. The guy in front of him, when it came time to pay for his groceries, scanned his right hand underneath a scanner, and that's how he paid for his groceries. I don't know if that was some kind of experimental thing going on or what, uh, but Matt said, I was awake just like that when I saw that or when this guy told me that. I can't remember now if Matt saw it or not. I don't know what it's, what's going to happen, but I do know that the drive toward a cashless society opens the door for that. The drive for a cashless society is, has some wonderful arguments for it. It will make drug trafficking more complicated, the lack of cash. Now, criminals are wonderfully smart people, and they'll find a way. But for a little while, it'll stifle that. It'll be harder for you to be robbed with that for a little while, and then they'll figure out how to scan it like they can scan your credit cards in your wallet. But there are these arguments to do that, but something is going to take place in the world where people are going to say, we're going to need that. And why? Because we can't buy or sell without it. 
It's going to be tied to the economics. We'll talk about that in a little bit. We already are identified by a number. Uh, you know that. We have been for, for decades and decades now. You either have a Social Security number that you're tied to all the time. Uh, the government likes your driver's license number, too. You already have a number. Computers don't like names. They love numbers. And so something's going to be sold to the world on a, a global scale, and it's going to be accepted. It's not going to be forced. It's going to be received. I don't know what that mark looks like, but we can know how it's going to be used. Consider this about this mark of identification. First of all, the situation regarding this mark. It says in verse number 16 that he causeth all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and bond, to receive a mark in their right hand or in their foreheads. Causes, he causes them. He brings it about to happen. He doesn't cram it down their throat, but he does force them to take it. They're going to be willing to take it. Why? Because they want to buy groceries. Because they want to put gas in their car. Because they're not going to be able to buy or sell without it. So there's the situation regarding this mark. It says in that verse, from the most common person to the most famous person. From the wealthiest to the poorest, all of them, there's going to be this universal demand that people receive the mark of the beast. And for once in this world, there will be no favoritism or discrimination among the classes. Every person is ordered to get this mark of the beast. Now keep in mind, Christians have been raptured years before. They're gone. But there are 144,000 evangelists out there preaching, and people are being saved. And there's these two witnesses down in Jerusalem, and they're preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and people are being saved. And the world is now turning. They are demanding that every person receive this mark of the beast. That's the situation regarding it. And then there's the location of the mark. It says in the right hands or in the foreheads. You get to choose. The person gets to choose. That mark, as I mentioned a moment ago, it literally means engraved or imprinted. It's not going to be an ID card. I don't believe it's going to be a chip. Something's going to be in your skin. Whatever it is, it resides on you and it's permanent. And here's the thing. Once it's taken, listen very carefully. Once it's taken, it can't be altered and it can't be removed. They have those, they have those tattoo removal procedures today. That's not going to happen here. It's not going to be counterfeited. It's not going to be removed. Once you receive, listen carefully, once you receive the mark of the beast, you're condemned. There's no turning after that. It is a permanent choice to worship the Antichrist. That's the location of this mark. It's going to be on the right hand or in the forehead, placed where it's easy to see. The third thing, the origination. The Bible says in verse number 16, it says, And he causeth all, both small and great. You have to go back to the verses we talked about last Sunday night to find out who he is. And he is the false prophet. Religion and economics are going to marry here. He's the false prophet that's pushing, pushing this world religion all over the world. And now he's going to cause people, he's going to move people to receive this. 
He is going to get people to worship the Antichrist. He is going to be the one who pushes for the image of the beast. You remember we talked about that, that there's going to be a statue or an idol made of the Antichrist. The false prophet is going to be the one pushing that. He's going to be the one that gives that through the power of Satan, but he's going to give him power, that image power to speak and to move. And he's going to see that this marking system is carried out throughout the whole world. It's the false prophet. It's religion and economics coming together. The false prophet's pushing it, and in pushing it, he's setting it up so that, like the scripture says, nobody's going to buy or sell without that mark. So religion and money, have they're getting married. Now, when, when the readers of John's letter, when he wrote this at the end of the first century, this mark was not a weird thing to them. There were a couple of marks in the Roman society that they, they, they tied to this. For example, if a person was a slave, they were branded or scarred in some way with a number or a symbol that indicated who their owner was. Somehow or another, that slave was marked. And there were millions of slaves in that economy. But what it showed, it showed who they, who they served. If you saw a slave in the market making purchases for the master, you could look at his brand or you could look at his scar or you could look at his mark and you would say, oh, he or she belongs to so-and-so if you knew that brand. So when he talked about receiving the mark of the beast that everybody was worshiping, they got that. There was also another, another cultural uh, relevance to this idea in that, you remember, we've talked about this before, that the Caesars were considered to be gods. They proclaimed themselves to be gods and, they were con- and the, the Romans considered them gods. Being gods, they demanded that, that Rome worship them. And so when, uh, when it came time to do your regularly re- uh, scheduled worship of the Caesar, you couldn't just go to any temple. You had to go to a particular temple that was set up, set up to receive the worship of Caesar. And they would go into, they would go into these temples and they would have to take a pinch of incense and put it on a flaming altar. And they had to say as they put that on there, Caesar is God. And once they did that, they would receive a mark on them from the priests in that temple, and it showed who they worshipped. So the marks that were in their society on the slaves or on the worshippers, it showed people who they served and who they worshipped. And that's exactly what the Antichrist's mark is going to be. The mark of the beast is going to show who they serve and who they worship. It's the Antichrist. It says... He causeth all both small and great and rich and poor and free and bond to receive a mark in their right hand or in their forehead. And they get this once they worship the beast. It's the mark of the beast. It's a mark of identification. Second thing, not just identification. It's a mark of isolation. A mark of isolation. That's what it talks about in verse number 17. Everybody's been, everybody's been receiving this mark, and now that they're, they're doing this, that no man might buy or sell save he that had the mark or the name of the beast or the number of his name. It not only identifies them, but it isolates. It isolates in the fact, as 
Now we know who has the mark of the beast and who's serving the beast and who's not. It isolates those nonconformists. It isolates those who have, uh, who have chosen not to receive the mark of the beast. I said a moment ago, this is a choice. It's going to be an intentional move to receive the mark of the beast. It's going to be an intentional choice not to take it. And those that do not take it are going to be isolated in society. They're not going to be able to buy or sell, Scripture says. And that has all kinds of implications to it, doesn't it? Look at this insulation, or this isolation rather. First of all, the power of it. The power of the isolation. He weds, this false prophet weds religion and business. He puts these things together. If you're desiring to buy or you're desiring to sell, you must have this mark of the beast. How many of you sold something this last week? Did anybody sell anything this last week? A couple people sold some things. How many of you bought anything this last week? You start to see how necessary it's going to be. There's going to be plenty of incentive to take this mark. Think of the convenience is going to be the call of the day. I mean, how nice will it be not to carry a wallet around? How nice will it be? Just go pay for your, just go pay, just scan your, you know, take that little, that little scanner gun they have at Walmart and point it at your forehead. Just pop it. It's going to be convenient. Just pay for it like that. Scan your hand. It's going to be so convenient. That's going to be the call of the day. But it's going to affect. Now think about it. It says that no man will buy or sell. That impacts every part of the economy. It's not just running to Walmart. It's everything. Getting paid from a job. Getting a loan for a house. Buying something where you have to borrow money. Accessing your bank account. Or buying a loaf of bread. But this is going to impact. We we think about it in terms of groceries or gas. It's everything you do. It's your power bill. Everything that you need to buy or everything that you need to sell has to be run through this mark. This mark immediately isolates those who've chosen not to take it. And according to the scripture, that's going to be millions and millions of people that have turned to Christ through the preaching of the 144,000 evangelists. There's going to be a lot of people not taking this mark. They're going to be isolated because they're going to come into a store. There's going to be nothing on their hand. There's going to be nothing on their forehead. So right away, they're isolated into two camps. Conformists and rebels. And the rebels, by and large, are going to be those people who have accepted Christ. That's the power of this isolation, the purpose of it. Here's the purpose. One word, the purpose of the mark of the beast is control. Control. Just think about it. Think about it if you instantly control the buying and selling ability of every person on the planet. The purpose of this isolation is control. Think of, and you have to remember what we've been talking about since chapter 5 or 6 in there. The world, the, the planet has been devastated. It has been ruined by war, by famine, by pestilence. There has been so much death. It's possible that by this time nearly half of the world's population has died. 
It's what gives the Antichrist his sudden rise to power because he's got all the, he's got all these answers. It's a devastated world. Everything is, we've talked about this before. Everything's going to be controlled. Housing, food, water, medicine, medical care, all of it's going to be reserved for those who have the mark of the beast. It gives the Antichrist instant power over every person on the planet. W.A. Criswell, in his expository sermons on Revelation, he shared this illustration. I just copied it from his book. It says, a man who had lived under Bulgaria's communist regime remarked, you cannot understand and you cannot know that the most terrible instrument of persecution ever devised is an innocent ration card. You cannot buy and you cannot sell except according to that little innocent card. If they please, you can be starved to death. If they pleased, you can, if they please, you can be dispossessed of your house or anything that you have. For you cannot trade and you cannot buy and you cannot sell without permission. Now, there's a guy who lived through a, a microscopic view of what it's going to be like in the tribulation period. Did you hear what he said? He kept calling the ration card an innocent little card. And it's going to be sold as an innocent little mark. But it's going to have great power. You have the power of this isolation. The purpose of it is control. And then the persecution of the isolation. The persecution of it. I said a moment ago, many, in fact millions, are going to refuse to take the mark of the beast. The preaching of the evangelists and the two prophets in Jerusalem around the world, it's going to result in people being converted. There may be some during that day that refuse to take it that aren't Christians. I don't know. This is speculation. There may be some that refuse to take it just because they have that anti-government uh, mindset. And maybe it has nothing to do with serving Christ. I don't know. I can't say that the strong delusion will, will hit every person in the world. I don't know. I do believe the strong delusion that the Lord sends is going to be targeting those people who have heard the gospel before the rapture. And if you've heard the gospel before the rapture, you're going to buy into the Antichrist thing. But there may be those around the world who refuse the mark of the beast just because they don't want the government telling them what to do. They're going to suffer the same fate as those Christians who refuse this. Because they're, they're not going to be imprisoned. They're going to be executed. That's why there are millions. You remember when John looks around and he turns and he sees this, he sees this crowd. He says that no man can number. And, and he asks the angel, who's this? And, and uh, he said, it's, it's those who've died. During the tribulation period. This is why they're dying. They've not taken the mark. And they're staying faithful. They can't buy food. They can't buy clothing. They can't buy help from a doctor or dentist. They're going to starve to death. Or they're going to be hunted down. Look what it says in chapter 13 and verse 15. And he had power to give life unto the image of the beast that the image of the beast should both speak and cause that as many as would not worship the image of the beast 
should be killed. So they're going to be killed. They're going to pay a terribly high price for their faith in Christ. But if you go back, and we won't take the time to do it, if you'll go back and read chapter 7, verses 9 through 17, their reward for this is going to be incredible. But they're going to pay the price here on the earth. We may not be being persecuted for our faith today, but Christians are a marked people in cultural society today. The world is ramping up its hatred of the Lord Jesus Christ and those that truly follow him. I, I saw a meme the other day. Facebook has just a couple of, profit, uh, a couple of positive things. I, one of them was a meme I saw the other day. And it talked about why, it was just a graph actually. And it talked about why the world's hatred for the God of the Bible and, and Christianity specifically, those that follow Jesus, genuinely follow Jesus, why does their hatred seem to be increasing all the time? And it was a, it was a very simple graph. Here's what it looks like. Here's the Bible up here, and the graph of the Bible is an unchanging straight line. It just stays the same. There's no waver to it at all. Underneath it is man's adherence to the word of God, running parallel with it. But over ever since man's fall in the Bible, what you see is this line saying straight, and man's moral temperature just does this. And it keeps going further and further, just like the scripture says, Times are going to wax worse and worse. So man, as long as he lives, is only... Now, now man's pride doesn't like to hear how wicked we are. I don't like to be told that my heart is, is deceitful and desperately wicked. So man rejects that. That's okay. It's just shown in human history that this is true. The Bible doesn't change. I am the Lord, I change not. This is the word of God that liveth and abideth forever, the scripture says. So it's a straight line, unwavering. But the deeper man's depravity gets, and you and I are watching it exponentially deepen, the further and further away and the less tolerant they're going to be for truth. And Christians are falling into the same boat. They're going to be killed. We see the intolerance growing today, but during the, during, the, uh, during the tribulation period, today's intolerance is going to look like full acceptance. They'll be, they'll be killed. Today, you might get ridiculed for being a Christian. You might get shunned. Here, they're going, they're going to lose their lives. So today, Christian... Before I go to our third part here, our last part, I just wrote this down. Today, Christian, take a stand for Christ no matter what it costs because nothing this world offers or threatens is worth turning away from Jesus. Be faithful. It may come, even before the tribulation, it may come that you have to be faithful unto death. I don't know. You say, I don't know about that. They're doing it over in the Middle East. They're, they're doing it over in Africa. They're staying faithful unto death over there to Christ. It just hasn't hit the shores of North America yet. It hasn't hit the shores of, of Europe yet. But it will. And eventually that's going to be global. Christians will be isolated and then they'll be executed. It's that mark of the beast. It's a mark of identification. It's also a mark of 
isolation. And third, it's a mark of information. And that's verses 17 and 18. Verses 17 and 18 say that no man might buy or sell save he that had the mark or the name of the beast or the number of his name. Here is wisdom. Let him that hath understanding count the number of the beast. For it is the number of a man and his number is six hundred, three score, and six. It is a mark of information. What does that mark look like, Pastor? I don't really know yet. But it does have some things to it. First of all, it reveals the name. Verse 17 says that that mark reveals the name of the beast. Now, let us I don't want to confuse you. I'm going to try to talk as simple as I can because I need that for myself. The mark of the beast is tied to a number, and that number is tied to the name of Antichrist. The mark of the beast is tied to a number. What's the number? Six, six, six. And that number is somehow tied to the name. That's all that scripture says. But now it has led to some wild speculation. But it does say in verse number 17, the mark or the name of the beast or the number of his name. Those aren't three things. Those are all the same thing with three different descriptions. The mark, the number, and the name are all the same thing. It's kind of like um, bishop, pastor, elder. Three different words, one office. Here, the name, the mark, the number. It's all talking about the same thing. So that the mark of the beast is tied to a number, 666. And somehow 666 is tied to the name of Antichrist. There's an ancient form of numerology called gematria. It is the study of numerology in ancient times. In this system, a number is assigned to each letter of both the Greek and Hebrew alphabets. Then a corresponding numeric value are assigned to words. So Aleph, the first, uh, the first letter in the Hebrew alphabet, it gets a number assigned to it. And then it just goes for the next what is it, 24 letters in the Hebrew alphabet? It just goes right down the line. And each, each letter gets a number. And then you come over to Greek and start with alpha and end with zeta. And all of the Greek letters get a number assigned to them. And then you use those numbers in that thing to come up with various words. And they find, and people who get into this, especially in a weird way, They come up with all sorts of speculations and they find so-called hidden meanings in the Bibles and in ancient writings. And with that in mind, people believe that they know Antichrist's name today based on this ancient form of gematria. And I mentioned to you before, there have been some names tossed out there as possible Antichrists in the past. Hitler. Napoleon Bonaparte. Ronald Reagan, Mikhail Gorbachev. Do you remember Mikhail Gorbachev? The bald, he was the last leader of the USSR, last leader of Soviet Union. But he had that, he had that birthmark on his head. People said it was the mark of the beast. It was on his head. Apparently not true. Here's a fact. Nobody knows who the Antichrist is based on this name. But, The Bible says that his name 
is going to be known by this number somehow, 666. We can do all the, the, the numerical gymnastics we want to and think we come up with all these clever things that nobody else before us came up with because we're smarter than they were. We can do all sorts of little tricks and stuff, but the truth is this. He's not going to be revealed until after the rapture takes place. So don't waste your time speculating on who you think Antichrist is. God knows, and once he's ready, God will reveal that. But after the church is raptured, he is going to be revealed. The mark of the beast, first of all, reveals the name of the beast. Second, it reveals the nature of the beast. The nature of the beast. Verse number 18 says this, for it is the number of a man. You know in biblical numerology, you know that the number six is tied to mankind. It's tied to the human race. It's tied to people. Man was created on the sixth day. We are told that we are to work six days and take a rest on the seventh day. Six is just short of seven. What does the number seven represent in scripture? Perfection. Completion. Six comes up short of seven, doesn't it? You can do new math if you want to. I just like old math that makes sense to me. Six is less than seven. Say it like this. Six comes short of seven. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Six is short of seven, just like mankind comes short of God's perfection. Six is the number of man. Do you remember Nebuchadnezzar's idol back in the book of Daniel? Sixty cubits tall, six cubits wide. Goliath was measured at six cubits in a span, carried a spear's head that weighed 600 shekels. Whenever, Whenever the Bible chooses to picture our enemy in someone other than Satan, it it seems to tie that number six to it because we have a propensity to go less than God's best. Antichrist is going to be the pinnacle of human achievement. He's going to be, on, on the face of the planet, Antichrist is going to be the most influential, brightest, powerful man that the world has ever seen. He's going to be remarkable. He's going to be so remarkable, he's going to be globally accepted, but he's still short of the glory of God. So his number is 666. His number declares his deficiency. doesn't matter how great and how awesome he is, he's still going to come up short. Satan and his unholy trinity can never compete with God. They will give it their best in the Antichrist, but he's still going to be a six. On the scale of seven, he's still going to be a six because he's not perfect. We have to assume that if Antichrist is the ruler of the world, that he's going to choose his own name. The Pope, when he gets elected to the Roman Catholic Church, he gets to pick a name. This guy comes to the headship of the world. He's probably going to pick a name. It's going to be a name that is somehow tied to 666. Why is that? Is it because he's defying God? He's going to willingly take on a corresponding number to his name that is 666 after the Bible prophesied about this? I think he'll do it in defiance. I think the Antichrist will know a lot of scripture. He's got the false prophet helping him along. 
Here's another thought as to why the Bible talks about the mark and the name and the number all being revelatory of his nature. This is what to look for. Revelation 13 verse 18, uh, verse 17 and 18 are saying. It is probable that before others know who Antichrist is, tribulation saints will recognize him by his name and by his nature, identify him as Antichrist, and thereby refuse his mark. Remember this. There are 144,000 evangelists who cannot be killed. And two prophets standing in the two witnesses, rather, standing in the city of Jerusalem that cannot be killed, all of them are preaching the gospel of the kingdom. They're pointing people toward Jesus. They're telling the Jews Jesus is true Messiah, and people are going to be turned toward the word of God. Is it not likely that during this time, those evangelists and those two witnesses are going to be in the book of Revelation saying, can you see We are living in this time. And will they not turn to Revelation chapter number 13 and say, this guy and his cohort that's coming up in world popularity, watch them closely because they look like what's being described in chapters 12 and 13 of the book of Revelation. And when he declares his name, and his name is going to equate with the number 666, I believe that tribulation saints are going to easily mark him and say, that." He's Antichrist. He is capital A, Antichrist. I think that the first people to identify Antichrist during the tribulation period are going to be tribulation saints. They're going to know from the word of God. The word of God's not going to go away during the, during the great tribulation period. It's still going to be on the earth. This is the word of God that liveth and abideth forever. They're going to be preaching it. His name, his number, his mark. They reveal his nature. Here's a practical lesson. Satan marks his people. He marks his people. If not their body, he marks their soul and he marks their mind. You have such a battle. We have such a battle in this world for our mind. And there is a tremendous battle for the soul. And Satan knows, the Bible says his time is short. He knows scripture. He knows these things. Satan marks people. You can see those who have given themselves over to the devil. He marks them. On the other hand, the Bible says that God seals his people. The Bible never says God marks his people. It uses the word seals repeatedly. Can I just share some of those with you? We won't turn to him. 2 Corinthians one twenty two. Who hath sealed us and given us the earnest of the spirits in our heart. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 13. In whom also after that that ye believed ye were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise. Ephesians chapter 4 verse number 30. Whereby ye are sealed unto the day of redemption. And then you can go back to Revelation chapter 7. Those first uh, seven or eight verses talk about the 144,000 that God God, uh, sends to the planet. And the Bible says that they are sealed as God's servants. Satan marks those who give themselves to him 
God seals those who come to him for all of eternity. I'll say this again. Terrible days are coming to the planet Earth. Satan is going to have free reign down here. So, Pastor, I just don't, I just don't believe that. It doesn't matter. My belief does not, it doesn't verify the truthfulness of God's word. This is going to happen. Well, Pastor, people have been preaching this for thousands of years. Yeah, they have. All that does is tell me that we have a long-suffering, gracious God who's not yet ready to judge this planet, who still wants people to be saved. That's all that tells me. Scripture even says that, doesn't it, in 2 Peter? Where are all the prophets? The prophet, they've been saying this since the days of the prophets, Peter said. And Peter comes back and he says, doesn't change the fact. God's word is still true. He's not on my table or your timetable. He's, he's not on our schedules. This is true. Satan's going to have free reign on this planet. He's going to wreck this earth. And billions of people are going to die. Billions of people are going to die and they're going to go to hell. That's just truth. The Bible tells us, it gives us the percentages of people that die during the various judgments. And if we figure 8.2 billion people on the planet, when it starts talking about one-fourth of the people died here, and one-fifth of the people died here. You can, you can come pretty close and figure out we're talking about over two and a half billion people. Maybe closer to four to five billion people that are going to die during the tribulation period. That's an amazingly gloomy prophecy that's coming. But here's the good news. It hasn't come yet. It hasn't come yet. There's... There is still hope. But once the church is raptured, once the church is gone and Christians are taken to heaven, this is going to come to place on the planet. Three and a half years after the rapture, it's not going to look look that bad, those first three and a half years. There's going to be some struggles, but Antichrist is going to come to power with a lot of answers and seemingly good answers and peace in Israel and around her neighbors. It's going to be wonderful. But then a switch is going to be flipped at 42 months in there And everything literally is going to go to hell on this planet. It's going to be hell turned loose loose on planet earth. No restraint. Here's the closing thought I'll give to you. Every person that takes the mark of the beast is destined for hell. They They cannot take the mark of the beast... And then be saved. If they bow to him. They are lost forever. So pastor I just read with you. Revelation 13, 16, 17 and 18. And none of that got said. Without without getting ahead of ourselves. Would you turn over to chapter 14. And look what it says beginning at verse number 9. And the third angel followed them. Saying with a loud voice. If any man worship the beast. And his image, and receive his mark in his forehead or in his hand, the same shall drink of the wine of the wrath of God, which is poured out without mixture into the cup of his indignation, 
and he shall be tormented with fire and brimstone in his presence and the presence of the lamb and the smoke of their torment ascendeth up forever and ever. They have no rest day or night who worship the beast and his image and whosoever receiveth the mark of his name. Here is the patience of the saints. Here are they that keep the commandments of God and the faith of Jesus. Twice in those verses, he said to worship the beast and to take his mark means eternal damnation. Twice he says that so we don't miss it. But he closes in verse number 12 with the hope. You keep the commandments of God. Those in the tribulation period, as hard as it's going to be, don't take that mark. As hard as it's going to be, keep the commandments of God. Have the faith of Jesus. That's the escape. Pre-rapture, July 2023, on this particular day, at this particular hour, the same thing is true. You need faith in Jesus Christ today to escape this. That's what you need. Christian, don't, don't fall into the trap that this is somehow symbolic, that this is somehow, uh, this is somehow picturesque. It's not. This is coming. The Antichrist is a real, live human being who may be alive on the planet today. He may be known today as the person. He may be a real famous person today. We just don't know him as the Antichrist yet. But there's a good chance that he's an adult already. Things are lining up for God to fulfill his word. It's why this year we chose that, we chose that theme for our, uh, our, our global focus all the way back in January when we chose it. Follow me. You'll see it on the, on the posters out there. We are, to, we are to follow Christ so that he can make us fishers of men. And in the time that remains, you and I are to be telling people about this truth. Not, and it's wonderful to talk about the love of God. But don't you dare do that without, without telling people about the holiness of God. You don't get to take one and exclude the other. I don't get to do that. Is God love? Yes, because more than one verse in the Bible says that. And everybody outside and in the world, they want to harp on this. God is love. And we've quit preaching the holiness of God that demands judgment of sin. And so they are focused on the loving God. And they can't see any way that God would ever judge this world. And it's going to be so much worse than the judgment that came to Noah back in Genesis 6, 7, and 8. All those people died relatively quickly. Fountains of the deep broke up. Rain came down from heaven. Those people died relatively quickly. This is going to be a seven-year judgment period by a God who can do anything he wants in judgment. Now, prior to that, he has acted again and again and again in grace and mercy and long-suffering. And he's still doing that today. And he's calling people to himself. So today's plea to you is the same as it has been in recent weeks. If you're not saved, be saved soon. You don't want to be here. Based on 2 Thessalonians, I believe that if you hear the gospel before the rapture, you will not be able to, be in, you will not be able to save during the tribulation period. I don't believe the scripture allows for that. 
God is going to send someone a strong delusion that they should believe a lie. I believe the people to whom he's sending that delusion are those who rejected his son. They heard the gospel. They heard a message like this, that judgment is coming, but that Jesus has also provided a way out, a way of escape. But they chose to reject Jesus instead of accept him. I believe that they are going to be the recipients of a God-sent delusion that tricks them into thinking the Antichrist is the answer. Those millions of people that are going to be saved during the tribulation period, I believe they are from the billions of people who today have yet to hear the name Jesus Christ. So if you're here today and you don't know Christ as your Savior, now you have a responsibility to choose. You say, I'm not going to make a choice. Yes, you are. Yes, you are. You're either going to choose today to accept Christ as Savior, or you're going to, you think you're going to choose to delay that decision. But you're going to make a choice. Christian, what do you do with this message today? Let God make you a fisher of men and a fisher of women, and a fisher of children. Let God use your light on this planet right now. You are the light of the world, Jesus said. At one point, Jesus said, I'm the light of the world. But when he went back to heaven, he sent his Holy Spirit to inhabit you and inhabit me when we got saved, and now you're the light of the world. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works, but glorify your Father which is in heaven. That's your primary responsibility today is to show Jesus Christ to a lost and dying world. Do it before this takes place. Let's stand together, would you? Father, we come to these passages of Scripture, and they're dark, and they're hard, and they're rejected by the world. And man's intellect wants to refuse it. His pride wants to refuse it. There's something in us that says we are good people, and that God is only love. But, Lord, we we look into your word with honest eyes, and we recognize that wrath is coming. You've held it off for a long time, especially considering what they did to your son. You've made it possible for people to be saved through Jesus' sacrifice, and I pray that if someone is in this room today or back in our children's church, that they would be saved if they're not. This would be a great day to be saved. Since, Lord, we don't know when we're going to die. And if you've given opportunity for someone to be saved today, may they take that opportunity. Please don't let them fall to Satan's lies or to Satan's deceit about just waiting and thinking about this. Let them come today and find out what it takes to be saved. And I pray for the Christian who is struggling, Lord, in being the witness they should be. Sometimes all of us hide our light or we put it under a bushel because maybe it's not a convenient time to get into a conversation. But, Lord, if you bring someone across our path that needs to hear the gospel, may we put priorities in line the right way. So I pray, Lord, that men and women in this room who are saved and who know what you did for them, they have tasted the grace of God. May they be quick, may all of us be quick, to share it with people that need it. Help us to look for opportunities that you open today. Whatever your Holy Spirit would desire to do with this message today, would you do it in our hearts? Help us, not to, help us not to be distracted from it. And I pray in your name, amen. Would you hold your heads bowed for just a moment, if you would? And, and just let God 